10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Good day, mate. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Good morning, it's Friday, yay, and not long now before we can holster our board pens, shutter our classrooms and switch off for a while. I'm Dorian Brown, it's Friday the 8th of October and we are live on Teachers Talk Radio, where today my guest and I will be discussing the merits of bringing philosophical thought into our classroom. We'd love to hear from you, and if you have any thoughts on the topic, please call, text or tweet in and have your say. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, one and all. All, I hope you are all doing well, and thank you for joining me on this very glorious morning. We are standing on the precipice of the weekend, and it's just a few more hours to go. Um, what's becoming a regular feature at the start of the show is Susie Dent's Word of the Week. And this week, the word is very aptly ultra-crepidarian. From the 19th century, it means one who gives opinions and judgments on matters they know nothing about. Apparently, a bit, a bit more digging. It said in Latin it means beyond the shoe, but I've not quite gotten around that just yet. Um, I'm sure we've all met these ultra-crepidarians and listened or read to articles from them in the media and indeed on social media. However, I'm very pleased to say that my guest on today's show is far from being an ultra-crepidarian ultra uh, when it comes to philosophy and ethics. So I'm joined by Mr. Andrew Rogers, a philosophy and ethics teacher, a husband, a father, a thinker, a bibliophile, a Teacher of the Year nominee, a Chair of the Association of Philosophy in Schools, and he's also published papers in Plato and the Journey of Philosophy in Schools. A lengthy and impressive CV there, Andrew. Thank you very much for joining us today on Teachers Talk Radio. Well, thanks for having me, Dorian. It's nice to be here. Excellent. Great. And I just made a... a, a, a um, observation that last week I had an Australian uh, uh, on the show who was living in China and this week I have a Brit living in Australia. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it's a bit crazy to be honest Dora and I think I consider myself more to be an Australian now than a, than a Brit. Right. Been, it's okay. been here long enough. Bit of a controversial issue to start the show perhaps but there yeah are. right well one more controversial well not controversial controversial but you said you're a bibliophile just wondering yes. um, if you've come across the word Sundoku before. Uh, now, I have. Uh, it's something to do with a love of books, um, but I'm not sure of where it originates from or anything. Gosh, you've put me on right. the spot already. I, I have already, yeah. Not intentional, <laughs> but it just, it just made me think. The, I, I came across it uh, a couple of months ago, and it's, it's, it's uh, from Japanese, and it's the idea of people that buy books or collect books, but uh, yes. never, never read them. Yeah, well, that, uh, so that fits. Is, if you've, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting in my study right now, surrounded by mountains of books that haven't been read. So there we are. Yeah. <laughs> Working through them slowly. <laughs> exactly right. Right. So um, let's get into the show, shall we? Um, so what we're going to be talking about today, uh, as per the introduction, is we're going to kind of really think about um, the the merits and the benefits of bringing philosophical thought into the classroom um, and ultimately really thinking about ways in which we can uh, look to get teachers to perhaps maybe um, build it into their pedagogy or sort of certainly embed it into their curriculum so that um, we are getting our students at an earlier age to uh, to think critically. And we've had a number of tweets in, um, in response to a, a post to the show, which we'll kind of go through uh, shortly. But I wonder if you'd start us off with just giving us a, a, um, a summary of your journey thus far in education, please, sir. Sure, I'd be uh, absolutely delighted. Um, well, as uh, previously mentioned, I'm, I'm currently living in, in Perth in Western Australia. Uh, I've been here for just over eight years now, uh, and I'm working in a K-12 um, school, uh, and my subject specialism is obviously philosophy and ethics, and uh, I teach that mainly uh, through years 10, 11, and 12, so those are our, our senior students here in Australia, so those are the ones who we're preparing for the, you know, the public exams and, and go on to university. Uh, but the mm -hmm. second half of my um, teaching um, load at the moment is to do with uh, what we call HASS, which is Humanities and Social Sciences. 
So I've got some uh, middle school classes in there, and uh, that consists of history and geography, uh, civics and citizenship, and economics. Um, so that you know gives me a nice wide uh, teaching. Yeah, sound, sound very busy, started. yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. You've got fingers a, in know, many pies. It, exactly. So breadth of understanding over over lots of areas with that one. Um, but yeah, prior to that, I was uh, living in, in England, in, in Wiltshire, uh, a small town called Devizes. And um, there I was uh, mainly a religious studies teacher. Um, and I taught there um, for 13 years. I ended up leading the religious studies department. And, and then that grew into um, taking on uh, civics and citizenship there as well. Also PSHE. Uh, I think mm. I took on psychology to line manage, but never taught um, for my <laughs> last year there. Um, so that was a, you know, a wonderful experience as well. Um, but yes, it was, it was in Australia that I discovered the philosophy for schools um, or philosophy in schools um, pedagogy. Um, and I ran into that about six years ago. And that's totally transformed um, how I approach you know, my lessons, my planning, um, my delivery um, in, in the classroom throughout. So you know, that's something I've you know, been able to incorporate into all uh, facets of where I teach at the moment. Yes, and um, hello, Alexander. Just called, uh, just uh, come into the studio from Ghana. Thank you for joining us today. We're talking about philosophy in schools, um, and it just made me thought, think there, Andrew, when you when when you said that um, you kind of encountered philosophy in schools only sort of after moving to Australia. But it sounded that in terms of the breadth and range of subjects that you studied, there was probably quite a lot of philosophy and sort of epistemology and. Uh, that, that kind of uh, that kind of thinking process, critical thought, even in the subjects that you were teaching. So, would you say that your your um, exposure to the subjects that you were that you were teaching kind of laid a, a good foundation for you to very easily kind of um, pick up philosophy in schools? Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with that. I mean, I think that's a very fair point. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, teaching the religious studies course, you know, right through to A level, um, you know, and those. People who've, who've taught that have got experience of that will know there's a huge area of evaluation and analysis, you know, goes into play with that. So certainly that's where my background, you know, was right from the get go. Um, but I think the philosophy in schools um, pedagogy made it to be um, much more integral um, right from the offset, really, rather than, you know, just something that you get to in at the last half of the lesson when you've, you know, spent a bit of time, you know, understanding an idea and looking at an idea. Only then do you get to the analysis part. Um, whereas I think the philosophy in schools pedagogy has got that critical analysis um, and evaluation aspect right from the offset. Mm. So I think it's really, you know, um, deepened um, that part into my, you know, my classroom practice. Mm, absolutely. And I think um, I know, know we'll probably kind of talk about this later, but it's the idea of, you know, those that haven't had that similar kind of experience to you will, will maybe find it a little bit more difficult to kind of weave it into their, um, to their subject, depending on what their, their, their subject is. Um, yeah, perhaps. I mean, but at the, at the same time, I suppose it's like anything, isn't it? When you, you, you come into it new, it can be a little bit daunting, but it, it's just learning, I think, you know, the sort of questions to be asking the students. And I think um, certainly what I've encountered is that students are naturally quite critical anyway. Um, and it's just a way of, of bringing that out and enabling them to be given the tools that they, they need to be able to, you know, think critically in a, in a more, you know, reasoned and perhaps structured style that I think can, you know, advantage any subject area, to be honest. So, um, mm. Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to touching on that a bit later in our discussion, as you said. Yes, fantastic. Me too, as well. It's just uh, uh, I always kind of say this, but sort of the the, the topics I, I tend to choose aren't really answerable in a in an hour. But um, but I was always <laughs> told right. that you know in TOK, if you go into a lesson with questions, if you come out with more questions, then it's been a good lesson. So hopefully, we're going to get some uh, people to be thinking about their pedagogy and their practice um, and we're also hopefully going to provide them with some some suggestions of what they can do little actionable nuggets that they can do to kind of start their journey uh, with um, critical thought and philosophy in in schools um, I wanted to um, just before you we kind of move on to the next bit is just kind of uh, bring up some of the tweets that we had in about the show because I thought there was there was a really kind of um, uh, I think there was unanimous uh, agreement that we should teach um critical thinking i didn't call it philosophy i just put critical thinking to start with and there was that kind of unanimous yes we should um and then a little bit of d debate if you like as to whether it's the you know whose job it is to 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 teach critical thinking and um is it should it be taught in a separate skill uh, sorry in a separate lesson as a kind of dis discrete lesson or should it be 
um, integrated in individual lessons and, and therefore embedded into the curriculum of all of these different subjects. So what are your thoughts on that? Where do you stand on that uh, debate? That's a really interesting question. Um, look, I think they've both got merit. There's, there's no question about that whatsoever. Um, you know, the separate lesson idea is, is awesome because, I mean, that, that gives the students an idea, you know, to learn the skills in a, uh, in a manner which they can, you know, then, then utilize and, uh, and develop into um, the lesson where, where it's there. Um, my concern, though, perhaps about that to some extent, uh, would be the fact that, you know, students tend to see things in silos and they say, well, that's just for that lesson mm. and that skill is just for another lesson. Um, I suppose the other advantage is you get a subject specialist in there who, you know, is, is familiar with the tools um, of teaching critical thinking and critical reasoning. Um, mm. So it's got, you know, many advantages. Uh, I think the perhaps the, the advantage of doing it through an integrated pathway is that everybody's doing it and it then just doesn't, it becomes something that we just do and it doesn't get, you know, isolated into that's what we do on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, it, it just becomes part and parcel of their learning journey and part and parcel of their approach to, to anything. Um, and then I suppose that then leads into life because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. You know, we're trying to prepare our students and young people to um, become informed citizens of, uh, you know, the, of the real world outside the classroom. And if they're familiar and skilled at, you know, picking apart argument or, you know, noticing mistakes in, in reasoning, you know, from our politicians and our journalists and our, you know, celebrities when they're surrounded them, then I think that's only going to lead to a, a better place. Um, so, look, I, you know, to come back to your question, um, I think both have merit. And I think, you know, as long as it's being taught at somewhere in the, in the school curriculum, then, then that's, you know, only beneficial to everyone. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, whatever we can do to kind of facilitate the uh, the students kind of being able to spot those uh, ultra crepidarians, for example, in the uh, <laughs> uh, in, in the in the world, yeah, you know, whatever way we can do it, I agree. And 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 it completely kind of um, made me think about again th teaching theory of knowledge and 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 the 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 power I think of when you you know when you begin teaching theory of knowledge in in, in the IB curriculum. Um, it's very the students are very confused, uh, and it, and it, and it's only after you've gone through maybe kind of a year almost of actually actively mm. um, teaching it that they start to see um, it in other subjects. Um, yes, you know the yeah. the other subjects kind of are encouraged to try to raise points uh, to do with the theory of knowledge within within the subject disciplines themselves. However, their, their uh, content knowledge is pretty. Um, difficult to cover in the time that they've got as well so it's often that kind yeah. of like it's it's ideologically it's great if we could get a bit more TOK in but when but the students that really do understand TOK really do start be acting and thinking a little bit more critically within their within their subjects probably much much to yeah, the yeah. annoyance I'm... sometimes <laughs> for teachers <laughs> oh well I would agree I mean my experience has been very similar you know when I've got my um you know year 12 ATAR class which is that you know the, the um, students who are on the cusp of leaving school you know coming to a classroom and saying oh you know we've just come across this idea in history or this idea idea in drama for instance and you know we were able to look at it philosophically we came up with this idea and you know that that you know makes me you know walk 10 feet tall really because you think you've, you've equipped these students in a way that enables them to apply this to um you know many other subject areas and it becomes far more than just what they do inside your classroom um so i think that's you know one of the big advantages of, of teaching these things you know philosophy theory of knowledge that sort of idea because it is you know applicable you know to every every aspect of life Yes, and and teaching it in in those subjects, I think, really just strengthens it because I remember the the, the two thousand and four um, Rosenshine video, which has recently sort of been doing the rounds, talking about um, endocrinologists and cardiologists and their levels of of critical analysis, and obviously they were experts in their own fields, but when they were trying mm. to apply their critical thought into the other field they were lesser than a novice because they were kind of set in their set in their ways in terms of the, their mindset was set from the from the old um uh from from their specialism whereas a, a a novice starts off with a kind of like a blank canvas as it were so actually build, building critical thought and building um philosophical thought into individual subjects allows you to kind mm. of um see those subjects and, and think critically about them. You know, th th what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is that the skills don't necessarily always seem to be transferable. So if you're going to teach a critical thinking class, you really yeah. do have to be quite explicit about trying to, it, trying to show students that there is that kind of, you, it, you're transplanting the ideas to different subjects rather than just kind of applying them across the board. 
Yes, yeah, no, I would absolutely agree, um, and I think that's you know one of the one of the strengths certainly of um, you know enabling us to do that. Um, mm. So, uh, and again, you know, certainly a lot of the advantages and a lot of the topics that we we cover in you know my own subject discipline they are so wide ranging that it becomes almost second nature, um, you know, for the students to be able to apply them, you know, wherever they come across them, which is you know something something that's fantastic and needs to be done more of. I think. Yes, agree. Great, excellent. Okay, well, let's um talk uh, a little bit more about uh, how this kind of looks in the in the classroom then so um we've kind of talked talked kind of quite generally about philosoph philosophy and the importance of it in critical thought um but in a kind of a, a in your day-to-day -day, in your in, in your teaching you know I, I know that again um i had a conversation with uh, damian walsh a few weeks ago and, and and posed him the same question really so it might be this you might give me the same answer or or, or something yeah. a little, little bit more um idea there but it, it's it's the it's the question that a lot of teachers will ask and that's the you know where do we fit it in as it were so in terms of the in terms of the curriculum um how do you begin to embed critical thought and philosophical thought and conversations uh, in a perhaps maybe already quite cluttered and busy curriculum and that's the million dollar question isn't it mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. <laughs> in terms of where it goes um mm. well look i mean i'm very fortunate um because i mean as i said i've got these these sort of two hats that i, I currently wear you know one where it's a, a specialist in its own um means whereas the other area is i've got to be um i've got to be looking really for the opportunities you know to to bring it in it's 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 something that i'm constantly on on the they're looking for and i'm looking for where the philosophy is i'm looking for where the you know the areas of contention are um mm. you know i'm looking for aspects where I can, you know, begin to challenge, you know, a lot of these ideas and, and knowledge areas which, with which we're trying to put across. Um, and certainly this is where, you know, the philosophy in schools or, or P4C pedagogy really, you know, comes into its own. Um, and I was listening to the, the, the one you did with Damien Walsh a few weeks ago, and he was talking very much from a primary uh, perspective. Um, and a lot of the challenges that, that he had, I can, I can certainly echo because, you know, in the primary school, you've got a lot of, you know, mandated subjects you've got to teach and the curriculum is insanely crowded, you know, and to make an hour a week or, you know, whatever you need to, you know, to actually do some philosophical thinking is, is really, really challenging. Um, you know, it's certainly something we don't have um, in the secondary school um, in terms of, you know, the mandated curriculum areas. So, Does I mean, it come out know, in PSHE or places like that? I mean, is that where it kind of ends up being kind of... I don't want to say crowbar. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, no, it, it is. I mean, that's exactly how I yeah. see it. You know, I crowbar it in wherever, I, you know, mm. it's, it's certainly possible. I mean, I mean, to answer the question about PSHE, I've not, you know, taught that for oh, eight, nine years now. So I wouldn't, you know, um, be confident in answering that question with any degree of authority. But from what I remember, a lot of the issues that you would look at, you know, in terms of risk taking and in terms of, you know, again, giving students the, you know, the tools that they need to um, navigate their way through life, it would be a, a wonderful, you know, component and fit for that one. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I can, you know, talk at length about how I use it in the humanities, but, um, would it be worth, you know, talking through the process to start with so that, you know, um, we're not making any assumptions here that everybody knows what I'm talking about. Absolutely. That's exactly uh, what I would like to move on to next, actually. So great. Yeah. If you could, uh, yeah, take us through a, a, an experience, well, but before you do as well, I think, um, uh, one thing that kind of came to mind when you were talking that through there is that, yes, trying to find time to fit it in um, it is a challenge. But I think, as you've already kind of alluded to, is the way that it, it isn't a subject, is it? It's a, it's a pedagogy, as you, as you said right. at the start of the yes. show. And, it, and it's, another, yeah. it's another tool in, 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 our, in, our, in our toolbox, isn't it, as teachers? And so um, if you haven't got the curriculum structure and the, uh, the provision and perhaps maybe the support at this moment in time to actually bring it in kind of whole scale, because I think it's, it's quite a journey, I think, to, to, to bring P4C into, into a school. It's quite, it has to have you know, uh, support from above um, and mm. buy-in from staff right um and so and so yeah that i, I think that's uh, uh the the starting point then would be perhaps maybe to kind of make those kind of uh, little tweaks and little adjustments in trying to you know just bring in in your pedagogy this idea of um philosophy and thought so 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 what does um what does it look like in your classroom and let's get let's have a little uh, fly on the wall um walk through of um p 
people yeah, see no, in your classroom. Certainly. I mean, I'm, I just wanted to go back just a, a little bit just to reinforce what you're saying, because I think, you know, mm. it starts like anything with someone with a passion um, and, mm. you know, where, where you plant one seed, more seeds grow inevitably. And, and certainly my experience in my school, it was, you know, I went on this, this training course with Alison Freeman back in, in 2015 and I came back to school so enthused. And I thought, this is just awesome. Um, mm. So you try, you Why start aren't we to, all doing this? <laughs> well, that's it. And you start, you start yeah. to try it out in your classroom and then, you know, the students get on board and they get hooked in and, and then, you know, word gets around that you're doing something a little bit different. And then, you know, your colleagues start to say, well, what are you doing in here? And then you say, well, come in, I'll show you. Um, and then, you know, they're like, well, I'd like, I'd like to do that too. And then, you, then you, you know, it suddenly grows. Um, and, it, you know, when you've got a, an environment like that, I mean, my department has been fantastic, um, you know, to, to take that on board. And, you know, I think we've got a department of, of 10 or 11 of us now in, in the humanities department. And all of them have been trained, you know, in this, you know, P4C pedagogy. So, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. that just shows, you know, how wide it goes. And it's started to grow outside of the department now too into other fields as well. So, um, and, and, and the students are... are, are engaging as well are, are kind of completely enthused, engaged completely, with it as well, yeah, yeah i mean I, I i've got this this one wonderful quote from a from a from a student um she <laughs> she comes into the classroom and says can we do that you know that that talking thing again you know the one with the ball <laughs> um you know because i use a you know a talking ball as a signal as to when someone can speak and, and that to me just speaks yeah. volumes of the fact they're actually asking you know to do this this yeah. sort of approach um, yeah, you, don't, you, you never hear kind of, oh, can we do those timetable things or can we That's do that? That's right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, the cynical part of me thinks, oh, they just do, you know, want to do that because there's no writing. But then, you know, the mm. other side of me thinks, well, actually, no, they're really enjoying engaging in the discussion and they're enjoying, you know, with the, um, the processes that unfolds because, you know, no one, even me, really knows what's going to happen, um, mm. <laughs> which, you know, yes, for, right. for some people, you know, leaves them with terror. But for me, it's, it's quite exciting. Absolutely, yeah. It could be quite nervous but, um, as to what, you know, looking oh, inside completely. the heads I, I of get some that people. Yeah. I get that horrible thought sometimes about what's going to happen next so i mean but that's the skill that you learn and how to you know you know keep some degree of control over you know where things are going to go um, yeah, and, and let's, christy, let's christy I mean, t's just texted in and said uh, we don't let children talk enough as a teacher she's guilty of that so um no, that's absolutely yeah. right so so what awesome does it quote yeah so what does that so what does it look like then let's uh let's so, let's get yeah. to the um the main let's course the nitty gritty so what, what does it look like yeah i mean like anything it, it, it starts with a, with a stimulus i mean um you know you need a hook you need something to get the children thinking um and certainly that will depend on the focus for your lesson i mean you don't just go in you know cold and say right kids what do you want to talk about today um so you know it's, it's got to be curriculum driven uh, and that's i think where it where it certainly works best in in my you know secondary school uh, setting so you know you're looking for that that philosophy that that you're looking for that um difference of opinion um the controversy right. so you, you present them with a with a, a stimulus so it could be a, a short film um it could be um you know in history for instance it could be you know a, a speech from you know a, a leader of the past or um mm -hmm. it could be a history source um you know certainly if you're going into you know the the geography and you know aspects you could you know maybe look at some of the um issues that are going on in the world through the news. I mean, anything like that, just to get a, a hook. Um, and then you open it up to the questions. Um, and this is, you know, quite a, a skill in itself is asking the students, you know, what, what questions do you have? You know, what, what, what uh, um, do we want to inquire more about? And, and that's really, again, something that they learn through practice about what questions are good questions and can lead yes. to discussions and what are ultimately, you know, quite dry questions, I suppose, that you would, you know, have a one answer and that, that would be the end of it. Yes. Um, and that's what Damien said last uh, in the last session as well, is that, uh, but you let the students kind of move the question forward and then they come to the realization that actually the question that we asked doesn't really have much more um, legs in it uh, and then That's bring right. them back. And, and so that makes them, you know, it's metacognition, isn't it? It makes them think more about, okay, uh, well, if they're starting to now think, um, fast forward a question, aren't they? they? Look at each individual question and then perhaps maybe think, well, is there potentially much, much more we can do with this question or is there a better, better question? Well, that's exactly right. Um, and one thing I've actually found quite helpful, I mean, there's, there's a, a guy from Sydney here in Australia called Dr. Phil Cam, who's developed this idea called a question quadrant. Um, so he's, you know, talks to them about how there's different types of questions. Um, you know, there's open questions and there's closed questions and there's, you know, questions that are, you know, textual things you can find in the book. And there's more, you know, what he calls intellectual questions, you know, questions that require some thought. Um, and so initially, you know, when you first do this with a group, um, many students just go straight to the, you know, the closed textual questions, you know, as we would probably find, in, you know, maybe a comprehension. But then, you know, if you um, 
open them up and invite them to see the difference between an open intellectual question, you know, one that gives us some some merit, they very quickly, you know, start to pick up and start to realize, you know, what, what the good questions actually are. Um, so again, it, you know, it's like, you know, training the students with, to, to understand the process. Um, yes. and when, they, um, when they do it, it can be really, really quick uh, in terms of, you know, uh, choosing a question and, and moving forward. Sometimes it's a little bit, you know, slower but you know i think that's that's worth it you know in in terms of what comes out if, if it has value uh in moving forward um your ideas and christy texted again said it's planting the seed so she's applauding that kind of idea of, of, of planting the seed which is great and i think yeah. the um the i wonder if you find any difference in between um in your experience have you you can sometimes have a class i imagine where students have previously had uh, experience with P4C and then maybe half of the class don't have experience with P4C as well. Do yeah. you get that? And and, and how yeah. does that play out? Because I, I imagine that to be quite, quite rich as well in itself. Oh, it is. I mean, again, you, you really see, I mean, one of the, you know, the great benefits of, of taking this approach is student leadership. Um, and this is another opportunity to actually see that happen. You know, so um, to, to give you an example about how that how that's worked. Um, so well, I'll ask each individual student to come up with a question and they might need some prompting. And then I match them up with a partner and they say, you know, share your question. And I want you to choose one of them as to which one would be the best question, um, which one's going to give us more uh, potential to move a discussion forward. And that's where you would find, you know, those students who've done this before and say, well, actually, you know, can we change that one or modify that one? That's too closed. Um, and no, that also has the advantage of narrowing down your questions to, you know, because, you know, the next stage is to choose one. Um, so, uh, you know, if the, the, if the questions are uh, of a, a good enough standard before you go, it doesn't really matter what question they choose because they're all, you know, equally um, interesting. You kind of have a, a, a first round, a first round of elimination. That's exactly right. And it does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it snowballs. And I, you know, go the twos into fours and the fours into eights. And, you know, before mm. we even, you know, that also gives all the students an opportunity to contribute as well. So when it comes to the selection process, you've probably only got, you know, probably four or five questions to choose from, you know, rather than, you know, 30, which yeah. is, you know, potentially quite messy by the time you've written all those up on the board, you know, the lesson's over. And um, so that, that has a, you know, the advantage in, you know, the, the selection process. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, again, the more the students do this, the more they'll realize, you know, the, the questions that are going to be more meaningful. Um, and then... The, the, the phase after that, as I said, is ultimately choosing a question. So, you know, of the, you know, four or five you've got there, you give each of the students an opportunity just to share their question, but also as well to explain what they were meaning behind it. Because sometimes, you know, the, the questions may not say what the intention behind them actually was. So um, when a student actually explains, oh, this is what I want to find out, sometimes it can actually change the, you know, the meaning of the question. That's a lesson in itself as well. Yeah, that is interesting. And a lesson in itself in terms of, you know, uh, uh, perspective isn't it you know when a question is written one person can think it means something completely different to actually what the That's intended exactly right. person meant so it's a yes. yeah really really good way of 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 yeah just having of developing critical thought right well, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, you know, just realizing how certain phrases can be misconstrued or misunderstood. And then, of course, you know, over time, those questions get better phrased. Um, and so there becomes a lot more clarity, um, which, is, which is fantastic. Um, so then we're in the, so then we're into the discussion then. So what how, that's how do you, right. Do, yes. And you lead the discussion. You uh, you, you said you had a, a speaking ball. So I'm yes, imagining that's exactly it's right. a structured discussion, right? Well, to, well, uh, to some extent, there. I mean, there's certain rules that you have to follow. Certain what we call, you know, procedural um, aspects that we need to follow. So, I mean, the way I, I do things, like you know, get rid of the tables. They all move out of the way. We all sit around in a circle, uh, myself included. Um, you know, I'm part of the circle. Um, right. I take on the role as a facilitator, really. So I move out of, you know, teaching, um, becoming the, uh, the the sage on the stage, uh, and I become part of the process. Um, so I'll invite the uh, the student whose question has been chosen to, you know, again share what they want to say, um, and then it's it's uh, a question really of where the students want to take it. So my role then is to skill upskill them a little bit in in um, their critical theory, really their critical reasoning. With prompts, um, as it were, is that sometimes? You... I mean, yeah, and again, right. it depends on the group. Some some students who've never done this before uh, will just say, "Oh, well, I think that's wrong," and just stop. Um, and then then you'd come in as the facilitator and say, "Okay, well, you know, thank you. Can you explain a little bit more? Why do you think it's wrong?" Um, and so then they'll you know elicitate it out and come up with a because of this, and then then they give a reason. Um, and then you might ask them again, "Have you ever got an example or some you know some bit of evidence that that leads you to that opinion?" Um, and then, you know, very quickly, we've, we've got an argument there, um, which then gives us something to work from. 
Um, and so then you'll invite other students to um, to respond and say, well, you know, do you agree? Is that, is that the right way to look at things? Or um, do you want to challenge you know, certain areas? Um, and then, you know, the idea is that it becomes very respectful. And this is where the ball comes in. Um, so the ball then gets passed to uh, another student and that's their signal that they can speak. Um, and they'll, you know, sometimes they might challenge it. Sometimes they might build and they might say, yeah, that's a really good idea. And I'd like to offer another example or another piece of evidence in support of that. Um, and, you know, what you're looking for ultimately is, is for students, you know, to, to, you know, respectfully challenge each other and respectfully um, come up with alternative perhaps ways of thinking. Um, and depending on, you know, what sort of time you've got left, I mean, this, this process can, you know, take anything from half an hour to 45 minutes. After that, it starts to, to wane a little bit, I think. You know, the concentration spans suddenly become um, quite difficult. Um, and again, depending on the group, sometimes I'll be making some notes on the board, uh, trying to map out, you know, some of their arguments and lines of reasoning so we can track, right. you know, what's been, what's been said and, and how that's done through. Um, that's interesting we'll because that keeps um sorry to inter interrupt no, but no, that's really interesting that you do that i think because you know with the you know, recent kind of discussion around kind of cognitive load and everything i think kind of writing down what is being said and mapping out like what you call them thought lines um really yeah. does help uh keep i guess keep the discussion on track but also yeah it yes. relieves it gives a little bit more um Oh, I'm going to have to, which around it's the, it's the intrinsic load, isn't it? And so it, if right. you're, fr if you're freeing up the ex extraneous load, then it gives more germane and, and, and intrinsic load for them to kind of continue the conversation. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then, so again, you know, as, as, and you can actually see sometimes when they do go off on tangents and again, the role of the facilitator is to bring them back and say, bring okay, that's back, nice. Yeah. That's interesting. Does it help us answer our question? And, um, and then, oh, no, 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 it doesn't. And then we'll go back on track again. And, and, and again, what I try and do as well, you know, is, is to um, bring in, you know, what we call sort of thinking moves or, you know, thinking tools that, you know, a student might have used. So, you know, you might say to them, oh, you know, did you notice um, how, you know, uh, Rachel over there used that, that example? Uh, and then how James used a counter example, you know, and, and then the students then start, you know, becoming more confident and more familiar with these these thinking tools and you know the more advanced they get you start to bring in you know logical reasoning you start to bring in fallacies as well where they can you know pick out some of the mistakes in reasoning that mm -hmm. um they've made and, and again it's really interesting because when when they get more um confident with this um they can often pull themselves up um and make a point and say oh actually oh no no i can't say that because that that you know commits a straw man fallacy let me rephrase let me try that again and they come out then and, and come up with something that's you know uh, a little bit more um helpful i think perhaps in moving things forward when um, that happens and, that must be absolutely fantastic to see a student kind of cognitively kind of uh, they're trying to say something and then they're and then they adjust what they're going to say and, you know to, to to fit the yeah the, the move and 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 I think, like you said, mentioned the straw man there about naming and labeling the moves themselves. I mean, that must be yeah. a huge advantage for students to actually be able to kind of have a, uh, a, a name or a label for the tool which they are using rather than just kind of simply discussing. Yeah, again, this is something I've been sort of experimenting with a little bit um, quite recently, to be honest, because, you know, that, that for me is, you know, my... Um, difficulty, I would suggest. So if anybody's got any suggestions about how that would work, I'd be you know, really delighted to right. hear. I mean, I've, I've experimented with, you know, the verbal aspect like I've, I've just been illustrating. Um, I've got a, you know, a very visual classroom. So I've got, you know, lots of these ideas just displayed around the, the room. And so when, you know, they're brought up in discussion, I'll, you know, go across and say, look, here's an example of this over there. You know, there's, there's mm -hmm. a straw man or there's an ad hominem fallacy. So, you know, we, we know what that looks like now. Um, I've experimented actually, I've developed a, a little card game. So, you know, whenever a student makes a move, they play a card, um, which has been quite interesting. That's, that's proved to be quite effective. It's almost a bit like, you know, when a student's got their L plates on. Um, and you know, the class I developed this with, they said, oh, we don't need these anymore. We know what we're doing. So you know, <laughs> we took yeah. the cards away, yeah. which was really, really fantastic. And um, I went on the um, uh, Thinking Moves uh, course with uh, Roger Sutcliffe uh, a couple of weeks mm. ago, and I thought that was awesome. Um, because that's another way in which he actually, you know, uses these you know, thinking moves and has a whole strategy to, um, you know, illustrate those to the students so they can identify them and, and start to use them themselves. Um, yes, I've, uh, I've, in fact, I've got Roger uh, joining us next week as well, actually. So kind of a little plug for his show as well. So uh, <laughs> in, endorsed, but endorsed, endorsed by Andrew Rogers, who got Roger Sutcliffe yeah. <laughs> uh, coming on the show next week. And, and we will be talking about that very book, actually, the Thinking Moves book. So it's the oh, that's awesome. moves um, yeah, that's uh, in, the one. In, in one book. So that's fantastic. Yeah. 
Yeah. Great. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, you know, that's the where, you know, for me, the real sort of power and value of this comes from is when, you know, the students can, you know, become more critically aware and develop mm. those, those, that critical skill set. Um, and, the, you know, the, the sort of by, by aspect of that, I suppose, is that they become more skilled in the issue that, with which you're talking about. You know, because I'm using this in a humanities class, not a critical thinking class. So, you know, if they're learning something about the topic as well, then, you know, that's obviously your primary you know, purpose for, for, for it being there. Um, so, you know, in, in history, when we're looking at, you know, the atomic bomb or something like that, and they've actually started to think about some of the implications for that, that then widens that understanding in, in, a, in a huge manner. Um, so you've won on two fronts, really. Um, How do you, uh, this is fantastic, uh, um, because question as to how do you how do you get the students to see the 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 value of the process because here's my as as you're kind of talking that through there you're saying you know very much talking about the, the discussion itself is a process um and at the end of the process there isn't a there isn't something tangible which they have produced or written or taken away and they can say look this is what i did in in p for c today because the 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 outcome is essentially the you know the tools which they used in the discussion and hearing other people's points of view and and maybe changing their their opinion on something as a result of that discussion but there's nothing mm. as I said there's nothing tangible there so I, I I'm sort of inferring that you will you you see the outcome in a written piece of work which is done a couple of weeks later or something um, and you see the level of perhaps maybe analysis or the level of thought is superior to that of uh, a piece which if it would have been less so if they hadn't had that kind of discussion so so in a long way around my my question is to yeah i guess how do you how do you demonstrate the value of the of the discussion to the students when there isn't a kind of a uh, an end product immediately um, well, sometimes there is, um, depending on, on right. sort of what, what you're doing in terms of, in terms right. of an end product. Not always, though. Um, but, you know, sometimes, they, you know, as you say, it will lead to a, uh, you know, a piece of writing or it will lead to a, um, an argument where we ask them to go away and on the you know, um, basis of what you've heard today, I'd like you to go away and write a reflection maybe on you know, right. something that you've, you've thought of differently or put together a conclusion maybe on, on where that would be. Um, but the value, um, certainly, um, when that doesn't happen, um, does come along. Because, I mean, I often tend to use it as an introduction, perhaps, to, you know, big topics. Um, so, you know, if you're looking at something like, you know, I don't know, metaphysics or, you know, what is real and, and this sort of idea. And then later, this is in my philosophy class, and then further down the, down, the, down the, the line, you'll explore these ideas in more detail, and they'll recognize their own ideas. Now, they don't know at the time that these are these, you know, big um, philosophical um, ideas that have been you know talked about for you know uh, years and years but they, they just suddenly get very excited when they are oh, that's what i said uh, I, I'm, I'm like that I'm, I'm i'm with descartes i think that's true um and then all of a sudden that that gives them a bit of ownership about that idea and then because one of their own cohort has, has you know mentioned it and described it all of a sudden it becomes part of you know the, the classroom then um mm. and again that that's got you know great power uh, in enabling the students to remember some of these key ideas because, you know, the, the idea is like mine. That's, that's what I believe. Um, and that's, that's, you know, again, fantastic to see, you know, Mohammed identify in that particular manner. So, I mean, look, I've, I've never had a problem with students buying into this and seeing the value. Mm. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's often something they really ask for. And, mm. um, you know, when, when one, one does, you know, occur, they're like, oh, yes, this is awesome. This is what we need. Um, and that to me says everything. That, that you need it to say. And, I, you know, I think in my ideal world, you know, where there's no, um, you know, formalized assessment or curriculum sort of planning to, to be aiming towards, this is what I'd be doing all the time. Um, but again, I think we're, you know, construed by, um, you know, government authorities giving us, you know, assessments and curriculums and various <laughs> other things with which we've got to do, um, which, you know, I, I think, I don't know, it feels limiting to some extent. Yeah. You know, when, when you see how free and, and liberating this experience can be, you know, allowing that sort yeah. of free thought to, to unwind. And then you say, right, let's get back in the box. Let's, let's do what the yes, it is. Yes, exactly that. Education <laughs> is very compartmentalised in that. And if you're coming, if you're coming up with, um, I guess, disciplines or areas that transcend boxing, you know, when they, go, when they go across areas, it's a lot more difficult, I suppose, to kind of to, to, to develop them, measure them, and actually, yeah. Um, yeah, see how, you know, see the effect of them when there are these kind of like these just 
know, almost character building skills, aren't they? Their character building, their 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 people skills, almost critical thought and and, and feeling. Well, they, they? Abs- they absolutely are. I mean, you know, they're, they're often called soft skills, I think, uh, and mm. that becomes very difficult in terms of how you measure them. But I don't know if you've seen Dory in the um, World Economic Forum a couple of weeks ago put out their top ten skills of twenty twenty five. Yes. And, you know, eight, eight of those come up, you know, regularly in this sort of philosophical inquiry that we're doing. You know, the, the two that don't are obviously the technology and the um, digital design and that sort of idea. But the other eight, mm-hmm. you know, all these you know, analytical thinking and active learning, complex problem yes. solving, you know, creativity, leadership, um, we've already mm-hmm. mentioned, resilience, reasoning. It's all there. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, if there's ever an argument as to why, why you know, we were doing this, you know, there it is <laughs> in terms of future Absolutely. thinking and trying to skill our, our students up for um, you know, future problem solving. Um, Yes, great. Well, um, Andrew, that has been absolutely fascinating thus far. I've got a kind of the time, as always, has gotten away. Um, we <laughs> we have got a few more, there are definitely a few more things that I would like to talk about. Um, yeah, just sure. to kind of end, end that sort of section there, is to or maybe this could be a kind of a segue into the into the next session. We're going to have a quick pause for the news, um, but cool. the question I'm thinking about, um, maybe we could we could we could talk about briefly at the start of the the next section, is to is to is is the one about knowledge and and do you need to know stuff to be able to think critically about stuff so uh if you've got does does knowing things you know knowledge in a particular subject help you become a better critical thinker or philosopher about it or 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 not so i'll I'll leave that in the in in the ether and then we'll come back after the uh after the news fantastic thank you This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. According to a report for BBC News, Inspectors have stated that schools in Wales must improve teaching of Welsh and Black, Asian and minority ethnic histories and cultures. The new curriculum in Wales, set to be rolled out in secondary schools in 2023, requires that all children are taught about racism and BAME communities. The report which was released by Eston and commissioned by the Welsh Government said that teachers needed more professional support. It found that schools in multicultural areas were better at teaching the histories of BAME individuals and communities. Claire Morgan, Chief Inspector for Eston said, the Black Lives Matter movement renewed focus on anti-racism education and the teaching of black, Asian and minority ethnic history and culture. She added, it's clear that more needs to be done to ensure that teaching and learning represents all of Wales's communities and their international connections. Eston did, however, find many examples where schools were effectively teaching Welsh history and the contributions of ethnic minority individuals in their curriculum. In England, the Education Secretary, Nadim Zahawi, has confirmed that masks could return to schools, but that there will be no return of bubbles. Nadim Zahawi told Sky News, So the good news is that, and thanks to the brilliant teachers and support staff and parents and children, 99% of schools are open. Attendance has gone up. The last set of figures I looked at was about 90%. That will obviously fluctuate depending on infection rates, but my priority is to protect education and keep those schools open. He added that he had contingency plans, including the wearing of masks, but said, I don't want to return to bubbles because actually you saw the fall off in attendance, which really does harm mental well-being and mental health of children. This has been your daily education news briefing.
Wonderful. Thank you very much there, Gail. Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. This is the Friday morning break and it is me, Dorian Brown, and I'm talking to Andrew Rogers about philosophy for children. Uh, Before the break, I just uh, left a question in the air there asking Andrew if if he thinks that um, knowledge is necessary to be able to think critically. And I'll just sort of build on that from one of the tweets from Georgina Dean. And she replied that critical Critical involves actually challenging what's said, so to question it. So critical thinking's uh, how is simple. So you things like you say things like tell tell me more. Can you show me what you mean? How could you possibly think that? So you're telling me dot dot dot. Um, so it's all it, it's all in the way we supportively ask them to reflect. So I think those two kind of that question and that comment kind of dovetail quite nicely. Well, what what are your thoughts, Andrew? I think that's awesome. Um, what is it, Georgina? Was who just Georgina, said yeah. that was yeah, that was a fantastic you know comment. And certainly, you know, when you're you know running a an inquiry like this, this is the tools you're in, you're trying to empower the students with, you know, to mm. challenge those sorts of ideas and seek clarification, um, and then to you know move the discussion uh, you know forward. Because um, ultimately, what we're trying to do is is, is reach a you know a shared conclusion that we we you know confident about uh, moving forward with. So it's not necessarily what you know. But I think it's the process of, you know, how we approach um, the topic with which we're doing. Um, one thing I didn't say at the start, actually, is, is one of the delights of my um, timetable at the moment is working with year four um, because nice. I'm working a K to 12 school. So my um, senior students have, have just left to do exams and all that, that stuff. So I've got a bit of a gap in my timetable. So I've been down to the primary school or the junior <laughs> school to work with the year four students, which has been the most fantastic experience. Um, yes. And I've been doing some philosophy with them. And, you know, so, you know, in terms of do they know stuff? Well, you know, they don't know as much of, uh, as my, you know, year 12 students do. But the level of their discussion work is just, it's just sublime um, because of their ability to challenge, you know, these, these ideas and to think, think critically. Um, so, you know, the, these guys, I would suggest, are very, very good at, at thinking critically um, without perhaps the, you know, the sort of depth of knowledge that you would, uh, you would need. Um, so, so it's a balance almost in a way because you can't obviously you, you can't just have kind of unbridled kind of thought really without some form of kind of anchoring right yeah and I would certainly hope you know that the more knowledge you sort of gain the more critically you're looking at that knowledge you know and you're looking at mm. you know the, the background and the source and the um, you know the aims ultimately of what they're trying to do so um, you know I think knowledge itself needs to be looked at critically in its own right too um, mm. But yeah, I've got the you know little anecdote for you as well, which came from my own son actually about this whole sort of idea about do you need to know stuff? I mean, he must have been about four or five, I think, and he just you know come in after after waking up one morning, and I asked him if he slept well and had any dreams, and um, his response was awesome. He says, "Well, I'm not sure. Um, I think so. You know, so- sometimes it's difficult to tell if I'm awake or not." Um, <laughs> And if you if you know anything about, you know, philosophy, that that's Descartes argument right there, you know, about what do we know? You know, it's difficult to tell sometimes reality from from dreams. And, um, you know, that then elicited a wonderful little, you know, informal philosophical discussion in our bathroom as he's getting ready for his day. Um, And that to me was just, you know, the merits of everything. So it was question about not it was questioning about not knowledge itself, but the about knowing the question yeah, about that's knowing, exactly how, right. how no, do I don't, know I don't really know. That's right. You know, I don't where really know it, if I'm awake or I'm dreaming. That's right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. How can I tell the difference between this thing and that thing? So, um, mm. you know, it was just wonderful. So, yeah, I think we've um, all been there sometime in the morning, sometimes wondering if we're still if, if oh, it was all a dream or if, <laughs> exactly right, if last yeah. night really happened. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, let's move on now, if we, if I may, um, uh, mm. to thinking about something um, practical. So I'd like to think, uh, sort of again, leave uh, our listeners with an idea of, um, you know, we're going to be probably at different starting points. There may be some listeners that have um, fully embedded sort of uh, P4C in their curriculum, um, and there may be some that have kind of like the idea of it, but haven't really kind of thought about how they might start to do that. Um, and I think sort of having discussed uh, briefly before this, uh, this idea that it's not a, a quick kind of let's just put this here, let's just put this in here. Um, if you, it, it, it's a long process uh, to, fu- to, to fully in, in, embed uh, philosophy for children in schools or philosophy in schools. Um, but what are the small things that people can do to kind of start the ball rolling and start, as you said earlier, to create that hubbub of 
of uh, interest in oh Mr. Rogers has been doing this uh, we, mm. we want we want some of that so what, what, what are the things that you that, that you have done or, or, or can suggest that really do kind of get philosophy out there if you like yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, uh, straight off the, off the bat, I mean, it doesn't necessarily require you to, you know, have any sort of formal training. I mean, it's better if you do, if you're sort of doing um, this and there are, you know, training providers that are around. But if you haven't got an opportunity to get there, um, the basic classroom skill of questioning um, mm. is huge for me. I mm. mean, Pete, Pete Worley um, is a, one of the experts in this. He's written this great book. Um, it's called, it's very simply, it's called Questioning. It's, it's in the series 100 Ideas for Primary Teachers. Um, I'm a secondary teacher and I use it all the time. But it's just, you know, when a student says something in a class, you know, just um, as they would going through their day-to-day -day business, it's, 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 you know, using that as a method to push them, you know, rather than just saying, okay, mm -hmm. thank you. You know, it's saying, well, you know, why do you think that? Um, can you give me a reason? Um, and trying to unpack, you know, a lot of the um, reasoning behind it. So, you know, starting point number one, I would say, is just, you know, investigate the idea of, of questioning you know students um and probing questioning questions. isn't it probing, so rather yeah, than I'll, just I'll, taking the kind of the one of the two word answers kind of that's it and and, and it's also it. about the, the sort of question that you're asking you know are we just looking you know back to you know phil camp's question quadrant are we just asking for the you know the right answer you know what the textbook says is the right answer like comprehension scale but then you know drawing out you know the bigger issues the bigger questions um that will then give us a lot more you know value for our, our time that we've got with the students so that would be, you know, my, my start point would be, you know, nice. to look at, look at, look at questioning. Um, secondly, again, um, is the, you know, the sort of inquiry, you know, process again. And I know there's a lot of training providers, you know, no matter where you live in the world, um, you know, the UK has got some huge ones from, you know, Sapere and Philosophy Foundation. You know, they run these uh, training courses that take place over a, a day or two days. And increasingly, a lot of these are, you know, taking place over Zoom as well, which is awesome. Mm. Um, my own organization, the Association for Philosophy for Schools in Western Australia, we run courses. Um, although I, you know, did my uh, level two via Zoom and that was being done when everybody was on lockdown. So I did my, my mm. second uh, course over Zoom and that was, you know, really effective and powerful as well to do that. And are these courses um, kind of, is it just a kind of a live tabletop demonstration? So you'll kind of have all the participants actually in, involved in a, in a, in a P4C experience yeah. yeah i mean that that's you know for me the best way to learn about philosophy is to do philosophy and it's, it's a mm -hmm. practical um uh, activity to do so you know when i uh, help run these courses that's exactly what we do you know we just run you know the live and uh, community inquiries as we call them and you know the participants who are learning take part in the inquiry um you know so they learn the procedure um you know firsthand through doing it themselves really uh, as well as looking at some of the strategies that the facilitator uses to take back and, and use in their own practice um gina from cumbria has just uh, texted in and said andrew you're a fantastic advocate for p4c <laughs> so there you go there's some oh, bless her. recognition you. for your advocacy there as well that's um, awesome i i think of sort of piggybacking on, on on the back of of that as well is um the 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 word philosophy itself does carry with it yeah. a lot of um, not just sort of baggage, but a lot of it can be quite intimidating. So you'll notice sort of in my in, in the tweet that I put out, it was all, I was asking about critical thought, and I wonder if I would yes. get the same level of responses and discussion if I'd have put philosophy. So how mm. what can we do to kind of soften people's um, idea of what philosophy is? Yeah, well, I mean, this is, again, is, is something because whenever, you know, it, it almost carries, you know, two uh, approaches, you know, the philosophy in schools approach. It's a subject, but also it's a pedagogy. And you're right in what you say when I've presented, you know, um, you know, workshops and this sort of thing. You know, a lot of reaction is, well, you know, I, I don't do philosophy. I don't know anything about philosophy. And it's then, you know, trying to change the um, understanding that actually it's, it's more of a questioning. It's more of a critical thinking pedagogy than actually, you know, you're doing philosophy in the process. Of course you are. But it's all about... About, you know that's the skills that you're trying to to bring out through it um i mean i really like how the uk's taking it on and called it p for c because that's you know although the p still does stuff for philosophy <laughs> but it, it makes it's it sound hidden. less threatening <laughs> yes that's right it makes it sound less <laughs> yeah. threatening in, in terms of what it's doing um yeah. but i also think as well you know to give philosophy its due there's more to philosophy than just critical thinking um it's, mm. it's a tool in it and i think you know we, we would be wrong if we were just saying philosophy oh that's just critical thinking um you know because it's a subject and a discipline in its own right 
um, that just happens to use critical thinking in in um, its process. As its main driver, almost, isn't it? Yeah, that's, this mm. is the thing, and I think I think you know I would be hesitant to you know drop philosophy altogether because then I think you know our oh, critical thinking we can just you know look at the news or we could just you know look at you know a, a textbook or we could look at a novel or something like that. Whereas you know the richness for me of philosophy is these big you know sort of questions about you know what do I know as we were talking about earlier and you know uh, what's real and how should I act? I mean those are the the, the big real meaty juicy questions that I think mm. you know elicit the best um, certainly my experience anyway the, the most meaningful um, inquiry discussions that come out of them. And that's the, the, so I'm not, the, I'm not the, sure the about yeah, I'm not sure I've answered your question though, Dorian. There, um, you know, what do I think should be? Done? I don't know. Is the answer? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, th- I think the more and more people that, uh, as, you, as you've kind of mentioned, there's the the organisations and and the t- the more the more kind of, um, I guess it's like any it's like any kind of things that and not say viral, but anything that kind of just kind of gets passed around and, and spread by word of mouth etc you know you're saying you know your teachers in your school really kind of got the buy-in and then there's the students also were asking for when are we doing that talking thing so it yes, surely right. it's 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 just kind of getting that kind of trying to bottle that up almost and kind of get that yeah. out there isn't it and kind of say it, well yeah. you know this is this this is a pedagogy it's another it's another tool it's not something and do, and do you know what as well also also I find it is I think quite intimidating or kind of allows people makes people not kind of take these on so much is because uh it's new and 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 we are uh, sort Mm. of averse to change and we and you Mm. know we've always done it this way um uh, so why do it any different and and your first bit of um your first suggestion was all about just just questioning so do you know it's it's not new actually philosophy is not new critical thought is not new. we already do it it, right it's just that we've got a we have an opportunity to be a little bit like you were saying with the thinking moves we have an opportunity to make it more explicit that we are thinking about something philosophically we are using this technique to kind of analyze this information which we are being given and so i can't think of anything else really in terms of uh, a, a pedagogy or something which which has that kind of potential to sure. to make people think more and better about you know questioning and challenging and um information which is being put out there particularly in this age yes. of, of of social media and you know news at our fingertips as it were well news. that's the thing as well and certainly you know that the way you know technology is is going you know the the factual recall that you know we used to have is becoming redundant i mean you can just type into google and you get answers in seconds you know without mm-hmm. the need to you know rem- so what you know i think where we need to be moving in a education direction is is in terms of these you know skills um that you know google can't answer really um mm-hmm. that you know make us uniquely human you know this idea yes. of challenge and um developing you know ideas and um you know trying to further our society really which is you know ultimately what we're trying to do absolutely very very poignant there and and I, i'm <laughs> going to run a quick ad break and then if you if you could just give us a couple of minutes just after the after the uh, the ads for us there andrew just so that we can wrap up and maybe just give one last kind of idea about how we could get sort of philosophy out more uh, in the school community that would be much appreciated yeah not a problem thank you dorian awesome need support with your phonics teaching did you know oxford university press now has three dfe validated programs to help you Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more, and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the MAL CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or 
gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All MALCPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. We are hurtling very quickly towards the end of the show, but I'm hoping I can be uh, uh, ask Andrew just to hang around for a couple more minutes just to share us a couple more things um, about uh, what he has done in school to kind of raise the profile of philosophy. Um, so, uh, Andrew, would you mind just letting us know about a, something that goes on in your school which perhaps maybe is extracurricular or something which, uh, which to try to, as I said, to kind of soften the, the, the view on philosophy and try to get that hubbub going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I mean, I'm, I'm very active, certainly in my own my own school for this, and I'm sure people must get really frustrated. Think, oh, there he is again. Um, but we, we you know, one of one of the highlights is a, a philosophy cafe which we run um, every Friday lunchtime. Um, the idea is that you know the students just bring their lunch along um, and we talk philosophy um, for you know half an hour or so once a week. And that was born out of a student suggestion. Um, you know, it was wow. something that uh, you know she said, "Can we just do this? It'd be brilliant." So we've had you know uh, invite students from years six to 12 uh, to come together and you know the onus is, is on them I, I said earlier I think that you know we, we can't just talk about anything you know what do you want to talk about today well that's where we can um, so you know there's a there's a real range of students from you know those who study philosophy from those who don't you know those who just you know like the discussion um, can you know put forward an idea uh, and we'll choose a question you know in advance because we haven't got time to go through the big process um, mm. obviously during the lunchtime and we'll we would you know take the sort of p4c approach but we'll do it you know while we're eating and it, it's just a lovely environment really and again we do it in a, a centralized classroom so the doors open and you know people drop in and other members of staff just drop in and you know see what's happening and you know even put their forward their their contributions too which you know again the mm. students really love you know just engaging in debate with you know their teachers in a way that they perhaps wouldn't normally so you know that, that's certainly one thing we do which is and it, and in uh, and, and just the thing popped in, but into my head when you said that, you know, different people and there's different year groups as well but in, in the cafe yeah. as well. Anyone can turn up. So, so how, what, what do you do? And I, I think I might have a, an inkling as to what the answer might be, but how do you avoid the, a philosophical discussion becoming a debate? That's a really good question, isn't it? I mean, there's, there's a big distinction, I think, to be made between them um, because, the, you know, from my understanding, when you do debates, you know, you hold on to your position to the death. You know, it doesn't matter what anybody else will say about it. You're clinging on, you know, by the fingernails mm. sometimes trying to maintain your position. But I think yes. one of the benefits, certainly, of what we do in, in, a, in our philosophical discussion is that, you know, students can and often do change their views um you know in many respects you know that that's seen as being a huge um you know uh, big skill that they've got that they can actually identify the weaknesses of their own position and say oh now i've heard what you say i'm, I'm changing and i'm, I'm going to stand over here now and, and hold that position um yes. and, I, and i think as well it encourages a lot of you know debate with the ideas as well that they're being you know put forward to you know rather than just you know as i said clinging to your your you know mm. arguments and um, rather than taking on board anything that's that's new that might be presented, and that's so powerful, incredibly powerful, isn't it? You know, teaching the 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 disposition almost that it's so it's a, you, you know you can be wrong and and you can change your Absolutely. mind and you can kind of accept that your original way of thinking, however you got into that way of thinking, uh, can change. You know that. Well, that this is that it. I mean, you know, just trying to teach them to challenge assumptions, and it's a real high mm. emotional intelligence, uh, really. You know, again, you're talking about how you measure this. How do you measure emotional intelligence? Well, you know, it's again one of those you know really vital skills that you need, but you know I, I don't think you can really measure. Um, right. But when you see it happening, it's it's just an absolute you know joy you know just to see you know uh, students take that step, and you know through you know sometimes they have to be a bit brave to take it I think, um, but at the same time to see them increasingly become comfortable to to recognise their own position was was you know quite a weak position or not as strong as they thought it was is mm. is just huge. I think I know some adults who could do with that. Uh, well, you know, of, you're absolutely right. It's I mean, hard to change I mean, our minds as, as we're the older we is. get. Maybe the harder yeah. it is. You know, the more kind of ultra yeah. crepidarious we are. Well, indeed, to come back again. But I mean, look at the world of politics and the adversarial manner in which you know the parliament seems to operate. Sometimes I think, do you know what? Mm. We, I'd love, I'd love to do a community inquiry with you guys. Sit you down and work out how we can respectfully disagree, and maybe get some of you to change your minds and look at your assumptions a little bit more differently. I wonder how you know what that would look like. That would be a very interesting well, way of government wouldn't it yes how about that for a whole new show what if the british government 
studied <laughs> P4C in school instead of debating societies, which is perhaps maybe what most of them would have gone to, right? Yeah, it would be an interesting thought, wouldn't it? But... It would. Was there any, any other project that, that, that you've got that you wouldn't mind kind of sharing uh, as well that might be an idea? So a philosophy cafe, I think, is a fantastic idea, and it's something that can be facilitated really easily uh, if you've got yeah. someone, like, like you said, with a passion or, or an idea. Um, anything else in terms of... Um, getting traction with P4C or philosophy? Um, I think, you know, certainly if it's something that's, you know, sparked an interest today, there's there's obviously a lot of reading that you can, you know, do around mm. this. There's a bunch load of resources that are, that are available. I've um, sent you, Dorian, a, a couple of links and book recommendations as well that right. uh, if we could make available to, to those who I are interested. I will put those in the show notes. Awesome. I will absolutely put those in the show notes for uh, for our listeners to follow up more on, um, um, but other other things as well. I mean, I don't know if you know people are Twitter users, but there's you know the, the P hashtag P for C is is a really good way of you know tracking you know people who are actually using this. Uh, and then mm. uh, once a term now they've got uh, what they call Chat P for C, which is again um, you know run once a term now I think where um, discussion happens about how you know this is used in certain topics. There was it was a great one done only uh, this week, which was um, all about you know P for C at home which was, you know, another interesting angle, you know, to take it down. So how you use it with your kids and how you use it and that, <laughs> that aspect. So, um, you know, yeah. things like that are, are available. Um, that would, that would require my daughter to be, um, to be reasonable, though, wouldn't it? And well, <laughs> I, again, I might need to look into thing, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it certainly drives my kids nuts, to be honest with you, when, you know, they, they say something and I answer it with a question. Like, Dad, you, uh, you have to answer everything with a question. <laughs> stop doing the philosophy thing. Give exactly. it a rest, don't, Dad. Don't, 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 don't philosophize on me. I've had enough. <laughs> Well, listen, Andrew, this has been an absolutely fantastic um, conversation. I've absolutely enjoyed every minute. I mean, if you can see my desk now, I've got four pieces of paper with things scrawled and scribbled on it of things to follow up and et cetera. So I I really hope that the listeners have taken – a lot. I know they have. I know I have. So I'm, I'm, that's being selfish. But I hope people uh, that have been listening have also taken a lot. And obviously, they're able to kind of download the um, the podcast of the live show um, on uh, Google Play and Apple and everything as well. So that will all be available shortly after the show has finished today. Um, oh, uh, sorry. Uh, Gina has texted in again now just at the end there. And she said, the next chat P for C is on the 18th of November on World Philosophy Day. So thank you very much for that, Gina. That's a, a good thing that we can put in our diaries for our for the um, the Twitterverse, uh, for those that want awesome. to get a little bit more involved. And that's, and that's anyone from, you, know, you don't have to be affiliated or associated. You can just no, jump onto no, the social platform. No, not at platform. all. Just use the hashtag chat P for C and yeah, you're off and going. So Beautiful. Well, Andrew, it's been an absolute pre- pleasure. Um, thank you so much for giving your time and and your your knowledge and experience uh, with us today on Teachers Talk Radio. And maybe again in the future, uh, we might be able to have you on here again, and we can talk. Because I know there's a lot there's a lot to talk about with this subject, and I've really enjoyed it. So thank you very much today. Well, thank you for having me, Doran. It's been a genuine pleasure. I've just loved being on and sharing my passion. So thank you. I'm delighted it's to be back again if if that was on the table. Amazing. We will see you soon. I'm gonna. I've got that. On, I've got them recording now. So you're definitely coming back. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Take care. Karen. Thank you, everybody. Thank, thank you, everybody. Bye bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.